welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is josh aitingan from dxc properties welcome josh thank you it's good to be here thanks for having me Sure. A little bit about Josh. Josh Eitingan is co-founder of DXC Properties. He brings a keen eye to each acquisition, identifying opportunities for growth with a focus on optimizing property performance. Josh was closely with management to drive each business plan. Prior to DXC, Josh founded JAE Property Group. Josh oversaw all major operations of the JAE Property Group company and was instrumental in all phases of acquisition, asset management and investor relations. Prior to JAE, Josh was an integral part of the URS Capital Partners Company's growth from its infancy to the purchase of over $100 million worth of multifamily real estate. With that, Josh, would you like to add anything to your background? Yes, exactly. So I started in this business, perhaps not in the most uh, traditional way, and probably a way a lot of your listeners also started in more of an entrepreneurial path. So I didn't go to college for real estate or real estate investment or real estate management. I, I went to school, just had a generic business management degree. And out of college, I worked for a software company. But while working there, I, I did some, just read a lot of books, just tried to educate. And I, I was just drawn to multifamily investing, whether even if I was just buying a two-family house and living in half and renting to someone else, that it just made a lot of fundamental sense. So I, I committed to really learning more, did a lot of networking, connected with a property manager in the Midwest, and ultimately did my first deal about nine years ago. So I, while working full-time, did probably seven or eight multifamily deals ranging in size from like $400,000 all the way up to a $7 million, million deal until ultimately I was able to leave and start JAE, which ultimately transitioned into DXE properties. But I guess to just finish out that thought, so DXE, we're an investment group. We are based out of New York. Most of what we do is multifamily value add in the Southeast. We work with investors and we do syndicate those transactions. And uh, But in the same breath, we have done a couple other asset classes that felt were just opportunistic and have been um, good fits. So we, we've done a couple small condo projects, and then we also do on some neighborhood retail. But basically, me and us wrapped up in, in a 60-second overview. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And share your process of acquisition and identifying opportunities for growth. Sure. So, you know, it's difficult now. I think everyone will acknowledge that it's competitive. A lot of people want to be in multifamily and particularly in some of the markets that we're in, you know, across the Carolinas, across strong markets in Georgia and Florida, and whether the Southeast or the Southwest, I think the sun, all of the Sunbelt states have just had a lot of multifamily activity. And I think that's only accelerated with the pandemic and people, the flight from urban areas like New York, LA and San Francisco. So I, I don't think that's going to stop. And I think money is going to continue to flow. And it makes it difficult. I mean, we just offered on a deal that received 40 offers on a marketed deal. And this is a $30 million deal. So it's not like, you know, someone's just reading a book and offering on a $30 million deal. You have real investment groups and a lot of them that are all pursuing the same deals and really driving up price. So how do you find a compelling deal? I, and I think it, it ties into relationships that we're spending a lot of time really, really building relationships 
relationships with a handful of brokers that believe in us that you know we commit to them and we're able to get looks at some of these deals off market at least with a smaller competitive pool that we're working against um, but it's a numbers game we offer on we try to offer on at least a deal or two a week all with the hope of doing two deals a year awesome awesome and thanks for sharing so how do you optimize the property performance like after acquisition Sure. So I think optimization of property performance, it all starts with your plan way before acquisition. So yeah, it depends on the profile. It depends on your project. Right now we're doing, we're doing two very different types of deals that are were more recent acquisitions. One, we're putting like over $20,000 a unit into where we've had to really, re- where time's been such a factor and we've had to get ahead of everything with contractors and outlining the lease the new lease up plan and and really just uh, getting a head start. Otherwise, if we started that at close, we would be so behind the eight ball and we'd probably be wasting two or three months to really get up to speed and started on that. And the other one is much more of a value, a moderated value add where we're taking, we're going to be in that deal for seven or eight years. And the plan is to renovate a couple of units every month, just gradually do that over time. And there we could be a little bit more, uh, call it less aggressive in our, our plan and strategy. But I think in both cases and really across the portfolio, it really all just comes down to consistent communication, ongoing meetings, ongoing calls. We're always leading an agenda with every meeting and recapping those meetings with our property manager. But I think in a lot of cases and times, the simple things that that drive consistent performance. And in this business, it's it's uh, very easy to be reactive because you might get a management statement that's 30, 45 days after the actual expenses or income collections actually occurred. So you really need to be on and communicating with your property managers day to day and week to week to uh, remain proactive. Cool. Yeah. So and what's your role in creating and implementing the business plan? It's collaborative with your team. Um, I think these days, most of what we buy is um, 70s and 80s vintage deals that you know need some renovation. So we're often competing against something else within the marketplace. So when I talk about business plan and that makeup, it's more so focused on the properties around us than the actual property itself and really understanding our competition, really understanding what they are offering. And then with that information, then we're saying, okay, so what can can we do with to compete and get in line or maybe even get ahead of our competitors around us? Cool. Yeah, that's true. And so what are the key areas you would focus on for each business plan? Well, I think it's two things. It's um, rents in the marketplace and just overall CapEx, what needs to be spent and making sure that number is appropriately assumed, especially when you're talking about 70s and 80s deals. You're talking about property that's 50, 40 or 50 years old, and there could be a whole range of how well that property has been kept up. So it's really, really important to go into that eyes wide open and allocating money just appropriately and, and not assuming, oh, I'll just spend $2,500 dollars a unit, create move rent $75 and nothing else could go wrong. Uh, obviously that's simplistic, but I think being conservative on the CapEx side is is really important. And if, if a deal in a strong market's going to go wrong, it's typically going to be driven by not having enough money um, for capital needs going into the deal. Cool. Yep. And at J Company, you're doing all phases of acquisition, asset management, and investor relations. So would you share any best practices and challenging scenarios over there? Yeah, I think some of the best practices have really been, and, and I know you mentioned JAE, but JAE 
he was just myself for a short while and then brought on a partner at DXC, which is what we've been for the last four years or so. But I, I thought I've learned a lot with the um, a partner coming on from a best practice perspective ha- has been really his skill set. He went to school for real estate, worked for a developer or a contract, a uh, Turner Construction out of college. So um, he really brought just good administrat- administrative processes as it relates to construction management, really just one, overseeing contracts to defining scopes, leveling bids appropriately. So I, I think call that a, it's a broad best practice, but I think it's something that's often easy not to do, but ensuring that you are checking each of those boxes and getting correct number of bids, making sure you really are leveling scopes and really driving that process because it's not just something, you can't just manage your renovation part-time. Cool. And you have great experience in building companies from scratch. So what are the key skills required when you're building from the scratch? You know, I, I forgot where I, I saw the uh, quote or read the quote, but I often you could do a lot less or I, forget, I should find out who said it, but often you could do a lot less in a year than you would expect. And you could do a lot more in five years than you would expect or forecast when you talk about planning. So I think in terms of building a business from scratch, it's important to just have realistic expectations. I think you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, what do I know? What do I not know? What's a reasonable first deal for me to do? And what type of income will that create? And then start mapping out that way. But I think you have to understand what your skill set is. You need to bring on a partner and really go from from there. But, you know, particularly apartment investing, it's um, generally not a get quick, get rich quick scheme. It's a, or a plan. It tends to take some time. So when you are building a business, often you're delaying a lot of those sort of the uh, the fruits of your labor. So it's important to go into that business just from a personal perspective in a very healthy place where you don't need to rush yourself into transaction or making the wrong decision. Yes, I agree. So true also. And would you share any of your best apartment investing experience so far, Josh? Sure. So I, I'll say this, uh, there's been some good successes over the past, and maybe part of it's just timing being in the right place at the right time, and some of them where we created a lot of value. But the one I'd call out would actually be an acquisition from last year, a time where it's still very competitive to get deals. And we bought this deal, it's actually in um, downtown Augusta, Georgia, but well-located, diff- really difficult tenant base at the time. And even throughout COVID and all of the challenges associated with it, we've been extremely successful in really improving that tenant base. Rebranded, we've we've been renovating units, doing full like full renovations, spending like $12,000 a unit with appliances, new flooring, quartz countertops, new lighting packages, really everything, new exterior facades. We're building a um, fitness center and a, a grill station area outside or outdoor kitchen. So we're, we're super excited about that. We bought that with average rents that are in the low 500s. Um, we're now renting units in between between 899 and 975. Um, so it's it's on a percentage basis, a huge growth that we've been able to see and achieve. So I'm, I'm calling this out as a recent one because I can't speak to the eventual exit. But here, I think we know we bought something strong and, and we're working a plan successfully at what's really a competitive time to win deals. Awesome. I think almost 80 percentage increase in the rent, right? For that? Yep. Awesome. And would you share any of your challenging experiences so far and what did you learn from it? 
Definitely. You know, and I, it's a good question by you because I think it's always easy on a podcast to only talk positively about a business that has endless variables and changes day to day. You know, for me personally, I, I think um, the greatest frustration I've had has not been with the properties themselves necessarily, but the, the people. I think the biggest challenge I've had was actually on a successful deal where there was just a, really a disagreement with the equity. It was funded by uh, just one person and we did not have aligned expectations going into that deal. And it ended up, while it was a very successful deal, um, it ended up being just not a long-term fit and sort of a complicated buyout. And uh, unfortunately, it ruined that relationship for what could have been a, a repeat relationship for both parties for a very, very long time. And I think looking back at it eyes wide open, I think I could pinpoint that issue very early on. And it's just a going in expectations. And if you know, everyone in this business wants to do wants to do deals wants to keep moving, if they need to partner, so be it and just sort of leaves it to the attorneys to, to figure out the what ifs. But what I've seen is that the reality is when things are not going well, you're typically able to come together and pick the worst of the evils and find the right solution. Whereas when there is value and potentially money to be split and, and an opportunity for, for greed, sometimes that's where you have to be that much more sensitive and make sure that everyone is on the same page. Yeah, that's good experience. Yeah, and what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Josh? So we're really excited, actually, believe it or not, even though we own um, most of our deals in the Southeast, we have a really exciting deal in Seattle um, that we've been working on for almost four years. And we're finally closing on some of the land associated with it. But we're going to be co-developing a project in Seattle that hopes to start probably won't be well, it won't be for another year or so. But it's it's been a labor <laughs> um, just begin putting together this assemblage and buying homes. But but it's finally coming together and really excited about that. So we're continuing to do that while while pursuing multifamily um, like we have been. And even as early as this week or as recent as this week, we sent out two offers, one offer on a deal in Atlanta, another one in Charlotte. And, um, you know, it's just that it's a numbers game. We're going to keep offering up until something hits and try to stay as um, conservative and as true to our underwriting as possible. Cool. And the Seattle one is like multifamily co-development or different asset? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, they, so they have, um, it's uh, they're building light rail, similar to like in a number of your markets and like in Charlotte, they're building just light rail and extension above ground trains. And we had a lead in with one of, it was through a, a broker who's actually from this town that found out that they may have been adding a stop here. So we started putting these houses under contract and they ended up adding a stop. It's actually under construction now, this future light rail stop. And it's going to be really heavily populated. There's going to be like 50,000 people riding this light rail every day and we are literally right outside the exit of the future stop so we've been gradually and finally it's coming to fruition putting together this transit-oriented development and team associated with it so very excited about that awesome and any one advice that impacted you josh 
You know, I definitely had a uh, a mentor as I started in this business, and I, I worked for him for a while and um, for years. And he, you know, I think it's a patience driven. If I were to give advice to anyone else, especially one that's getting started, that you know, it, it's this is really meant as a get rich slow business. So sometimes it will accelerate and happen quicker. And people that have been in this business over the last seven years ha- have seen like really an awesome wave and a lot of wealth was created in apartments. But just, I think, take your time and have appropriate longer term expectations and outlooks, and it'll allow, allow you to vet, invest in a safer way, um, rather than assuming you can get in and out of something in two or three years and need a whole lot to go right for that to happen. Okay. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? Yeah. So this was actually after I left uh, out of college, I was working at a so- the software company. I actually cut my salary om- almost in half to work for a real estate investment company that was um, growing at the time, definitely smaller, but they had, they were, they were growing quickly. And I was able to just see it from the ground as they were just starting to buy this and to build this business. And I was able to have my hand in all the different phases from asset management to invest, to investor relations through acquisitions. So, you know, really being able to work directly with the owner of that company um, and seeing what he was doing day to day really helped give me framework for starting my own business. Cool. So how are you giving back to community? Yeah, so um, actually, um, my partner, his family started a an organization. It's called Special Kids of New York. They help out children that have you know, severe either physical or learning disabilities. And um, with that, every year we do, or really they host an event where there's, uh, it's like sort of you're basically fake gambling and there's a bunch of raffles, really in, in the interest of continuing to buy and, and build and help just these people and these families that are really in a difficult situation. So it's something that they've been doing for a decade and I've personally been able to get a little bit more involved in over the last couple of years, but it's, it's been great to see. And especially now that I finally am in a place where I can do more giving back, I'm trying to be more and more active on that side. Awesome. Awesome. So how can listeners can connect with you, Josh? Sure. So the best way to do so would be through our website, dxeproperties.com. Uh, and you could actually schedule a call with us, myself or partner Donato directly. Uh, but you know, we're here to be a resource. We're not, we obviously don't only talk to potential investors. We love speaking with people that are just getting started and trying to learn the business. And, you know, we're happy to to give a few minutes of our time to just help and, and get more people um, active and excited about this investing wor- apartment investing world. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review and if you want to connect with me please send me a message info at ushacapital.com thank you for listening creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast i hope you learned something from the show see you in the next episode thank you any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only as always please consult with your own cpa legal and financial advisor before investing